Everyone, welcome to the show. So I shared with you all last week that one of Donald Trump's Georgia co-defendants was already pointing the finger at Trump and others. Well, now there are three co-defendants throwing Trump under his own train. Defendants David Schaefer, Kathy Latham, and Sean Still are each arguing in separate court filings that they were acting at the direction of Trump and his campaign when they acted as fraudulent electors. All three are also asking for their cases to be moved to federal court, which I cannot see happening. I mean, these people were not federal employees. It is ridiculous. Here, here's what this is like. I was thinking about this. This is like if you were robbing a bank, right? You're committing a crime. You go into the bank. You're dressed up as the, the um, guard <laughs> at the bank and you shoot someone, right? Or, or you're just arrested for arresting the, for, for trying to rob the bank. And you say, well, but I was dressed up like the security guard, so I had every right to take the money or to shoot someone or whatever. No, you were dressed up. It, you were faking it. You were not a real security guard there. <laughs> you were pretending to be one. So no, you were not a bank employee. These people were not federal employees when they allegedly <laughs> committed these crimes. Next up is news about Rudy Giuliani. This is really interesting. Rolling Stone magazine is reporting that prosecutors in Arizona are, quote, aggressively ramping up their criminal probe into the 2020 fake electors um, and also Giuliani's role in his plot to, you know, in this plot to overturn the election. Um, that is high on their priority list, they say. So two sources told Rolling Stone that in the past several weeks, the Arizona Attorney General has been asking a lot of questions about Giuliani and other Trump allies. And they're honing in on phone calls and meetings that were held in late November between Trump's legal team and Arizona lawmakers. Now, the special counsel is also grilling witnesses about Giuliani, but about something very different. So this could pretend charges towards Giuliani if he is not, in fact, working with the special counsel. But it seems like they're more looking at the angle of what Trump should have or should not have known, because they're asking a lot of questions about Giuliani's drinking habits, including how intoxicated he was when he was giving Trump post-election advice and if Trump was aware of his intoxication. Prosecutors have been asking witnesses if Trump ever mentioned Giuliani's drinking or if it, if it, you know, that he mentioned that it affected his judgment. And then they also inquired as to whether or not anyone else warned Trump about Giuliani giving him advice while he was drunk. And according to the sources who spoke with Rolling Stone, witnesses have confirmed that they either witnessed Giuliani consuming large quantities of alcohol, or they could smell alcohol on his breath at times. And they said they noticed changes in his behavior and his demeanor. Now, most importantly is the fact that they admitted to Jack Smith's team that Trump did speak to others about Giuliani's drinking and he spoke negatively about Giuliani's alcohol consumption.
So this is really key because it's going to help the special counsel to make the point, make the, the case that Trump should have known that Giuliani's advice wasn't reliable. Now, getting back to Arizona, the Arizona Attorney General's office is said to also be probing the actions of Arizona Republican chairperson Kelly Ward. They're looking into her role as a fake elector. So we could see even more charges for Trump and his coup clowns in Arizona. And speaking of these coup clowns, uh, Attorney Kenneth Cheesebro has succeeded in securing a speedy trial. <laughs> Cheesebro's trial will, that's a tongue twister right there. Cheese Bros trial <laughs> will begin on October 23rd. And both attorneys, Sidney Powell and John Eastman, have also asked for quick trials. Now, I think that this is going to be a case of be careful what you wish for. Um, and I, I think it could prove disastrous for Trump because these cases will be televised. The Georgia cases are televised. And even though these cases are going to be severed from Trump's case, the facts and the crimes cannot be severed, right? Their alleged crimes were conducted for the benefit of Donald Trump. And they're all going to go in there and argue that what they were doing was perfectly legal and was on behalf of or even at the direction of Donald Trump. So even if Trump gets his wish and he gets to push his trial date out past the election, the world is going to see many of the details of his alleged crimes. So not, not real good. And if they're found guilty, I mean, come on. What is Trump going to say? How is he going to spin that? Next up is news about the pastor who allegedly participated in the pressure campaign against poll worker Ruby Freeman. It's a man named Stephen Lee, and Lee's attorney is telling the Daily Beast that his client is nervous. Lee is very nervous about this, and he's claiming that he kind of stumbled into this situation. The attorney claims that Lee just wanted to help Freeman. He saw her situation go viral online, and he just wanted to reach out to help. And he claims this is just the kind of thing he does. This is just who he is. The attorney said Lee traveled to Ground Zero after the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York. He also um, went to the um, Columbine shooting in 1999. He said also he went to Las Vegas after the mass shooting over there in 2017. He says he goes to minister to people and help them with trauma or whatever. And the attorney said, quote, He's kind of the Forrest Gump of crisis in America. He's always been there in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> and Lee wasn't going to be able to post his bail this past week. Um, that's why he was the last person, the very last person to turn himself in to the Georgia authorities. One hour before the deadline, he turned himself in. Well, guess who stepped up and literally helped bail him out? Silk. Silk of the Diamond and Silk duo. She apparently came up with $3,500 out of the $7,500 that he needed for his $75,000 bond. And she asked her podcast listeners to pitch in. So Lee is free on bond, but Georgia prosecutors aren't really buying this whole Forrest Gump defense. They pointed to the fact that Lee didn't stop when Freeman rebuffed his outreach. You know, he went to her home and she said, no, I don't want anything to do with him.
So what he did instead, you know, instead of just taking no for an answer, he reached out and contacted the director of Black Voices for Trump and urged him to talk with her and pressure her. So that's the man I talked about last week, that Harrison Floyd. He's accused of physically assaulting an FBI agent who tried to serve him a subpoena to testify before the special counsel's grand jury. So Floyd is still in custody. He's still at the Fulton County Jail for several reasons. Um, but the judge said she believes he might be a flight risk. And he also, he couldn't come up with the bail money. Um, he couldn't come up with funds for an attorney. Well, as of Sunday evening, an online fundraiser for Floyd showed donations totaling nearly $255,000. Dominion Law Center, what a name, right? <laughs> what, a, what a kind of coincidence. Dominion Law Center is now representing Floyd. And they created a fundraiser on Give, Send, Go. So they just secured a bond hearing for him. And they plan to argue that because he voluntarily traveled to Georgia and he turned himself in, he's not a flight risk, which I tend to, to agree with. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And then finally, I have an update about Trump ally Peter Navarro. Navarro, as you probably all recall, he's going to trial due to his contempt of Congress charge. He refused to comply with their subpoena um, that was issued by the January 6th Select Committee. So his trial is scheduled to begin next week on September 5th, and he is still trying to get out of it. He's using the same tired excuse that Trump invoked executive privilege. So at a hearing on Monday, Navarro once again claimed that he failed to show up to speak with the committee because, quote, I was directed by the president not to. Navarro's problem, though, is that he has nothing in writing. He has nothing to prove this. Navarro's attorney, though, told the judge, quote, it doesn't matter. <laughs> now, U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta is presiding over this case, and he shot back at Navarro's attorney and said, quote, it has to matter. <laughs> I mean, Evidence is kind of, you know, a necessity in court. Um, and after Navarro relayed to the judge a conversation that he claims to have had with Trump about this whole executive privilege thing, um, Meta said, quote, that's pretty weak sauce, it seems to me. <laughs> I will say, though, he also questions some of the government's arguments with skepticism. So, it, you know, it could be a jump ball at this point. I can't see the judge giving him a pass, though, because this would set a precedent that you can just ignore congressional subpoenas based on conversations that you may or may not have had. All right. So we'll find out soon. The judge is going to rule on the matter tomorrow, Wednesday, August 30th. So we will know then. Um, and there's a lot on the line for Navarro. You know, if he's convicted, he faces up to two years in prison. So, you know. Not not uh, a great thing for him. Uh, I, I doubt that they're going to give him two years, but they will probably make an example out of him if he is found guilty and they will probably give him some sort of prison time. And then Steve Bannon knows what he's looking at, right? All right. I will let you all know when I hear more about Trump's allies and where they are now and what legal challenges they're facing. Love you all. Please subscribe. If, um, if you haven't already, please like, please share, please donate if possible. And I will talk with you soon. Take care.